We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 49 of the pod, just one, one shy more. of our mailbag 50th. Uh, celebration coming at you next week. We've already gotten a good amount of tweets from you guys. Send us your tweets, shoot us texts, whatever you got to do. Uh, topics you want to hear discussed on the 50th uh, edition of the Moose and Runes podcast. But here for the 49th, still plenty of work to get done, plenty of things to get to. Joined now by Matt Rooney. Matthew, uh, you, how you doing? How you feeling? What's the morning like? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good day. I told you before here, I was, I was coming back from the gym. I'm having a good hair day at two, which is which is. You nice. know what? Actually, Matt, Matt, actually hit the grievance music for me. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. I think in 49 editions, this is the second time that I've had to do it. Uh, my, <laughs> grievances, my grievances with you, Matt. And I, I only say this because... You went full hypocrite this morning, and I can't have you going full hypocrite on me. You do nothing but take me to task and bring it up on the pod when I text you what I'm doing and what time we needed to get things done. And when it's something questionable, let's say, for instance, Pilates or uh, I don't know what other, the other things that you've taken me to task for, it gets brought up on the podcast. So I want to right now bring it up on the podcast that I will read verbatim the text message that I sent you. Um, I believe I was sending you um, I, I, by I yourself. Were, I thought these were in private. I believe I was uh, – yeah, I, I did too, Matt. It's, hence my grievance. Hence my grievance with you. I can't find it now. Buy or sell. Joe Musa. What so am I looking great at? radio, by Whatever it's it great is. radio. I know. It's terrible radio. But I texted you. Let's whatever. Do the pod. I texted you by yourself. You said, on my way home from a workout, just about to get back from the gym. No, just I said it gotcha works like a for me. I'll call you in 10. I'm leaving the gym. I'm leaving the gym now. What, what am I supposed to say? Like, what, 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 why would else I want to tell call you why you I'm not calling? I'll call you in ten is fine. That's that's the that's what you've pushed me to. That's that's the point that we've gotten to. This I is, no longer can is, tell you what is, I'm doing. You know, the, the last time you, you aired a grievance on me with the golf thing, like that was justified. That was mm-hmm. justified. I'll give you that. I should have given you. Saying this a phone is call. unjustified. This is this is this is a reach, Joe. I don't know. It felt I like a I'm very. Reaching. It felt like a reaching. very. It felt like a very me text. When have I, I ever? You. When have I ever been hardo type like that? With you, <laughs> I don't know. New year, new me. What what month is it? It's March. March. It still feels like January. Mar- these this this year has flown by. Maybe me. it's just maybe this all dates back to high school, and this is like subconscious of me being so wanting to you to think that I'm not lazy and <laughs> like fat and being made fun of. Maybe that's it. Maybe this is that was just my subconscious way of me telling Joe, like, hey. Let him know, like you're actually not lazy. You're not being this, Garfield. You're actually doing things. Matt, we need to save this for our uh, our counseling for our couples therapy. So that sounded less <laughs> like a, a topic for the pod and more like a topic for Doctor. That'll, that'll be episode one hundred. <laughs> episode one hundred. Episode right, one hundred podcasting uh, counselors edition. Let's jump into it, Matt. Uh, pick, we're obviously going to pick things up today with March Madness. Loyola Chicago dances on, and I feel like at this point it's. The dream is over, and we're just watching a really good basketball team. You know, and, and I've said it before, and I stand behind it. If there was a year for a, a 
not just a Loyola Chicago, but for a underdog, for a Cinderella to make it to the Final Four. This year's set up for that, especially with how things went in the early rounds. There's a lot of parity throughout the year, and then in the early rounds you get a lot of one seeds knocked off, and it just set up nicely for them not to have the toughest tests all the way. Not to discredit what they've done. It's been absolutely fantastic, but Loyola Chicago finds themselves in San Antonio along with Villanova, Michigan, and Kansas. Uh, Matt, what were your takeaways from last week, um, just the the Elite Eight round? You know, I, I think it is that Loyola is not just a Cinderella. I think they are a very good basketball team. I think they mm-hmm. have, they're not just, you know, one superstar. Obviously, Dante Ingram, Clayton Custer, kind of the big names from there, but they got four or five deep that can all five, when they're on the floor, can beat you. So it's mm-hmm. not like when they're in late game situations, they got to play ISO ball and make sure they get it to one guy. I think. Their three kind of buzzer beater-ish end of the game shots have all been hit by three different guys. Um, but I, I think too, in, in an honest moment, they'd tell you that they have gotten fairly favorable matchups throughout the way, with the exception of number three Tennessee. I think the, mm-hmm. the matchups they've gotten along the way are the ones they would have wanted. I think we saw Kansas State is really not all that great of a basketball team, um, but they're playing really good basketball. They're capable of beating anybody. They do a lot of good things. And I think they have, while, while Michigan's playing really well as well, and they, they are a good basketball team, I think they probably have a more favorable matchup than if a team like uh, North Carolina or Xavier were to come out of that region. I think they'd probably tell you that. Not that Michigan can't beat them. I think Michigan probably will and is the favorite, but Loyola is very capable of winning that game. Yeah, I think it's going to be another good game. I do lean towards Michigan as well. Um, I didn't see the – I think the number on that was like so five, five and a half. Five and a half, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that – I mean, that sounds right. It's going to be another close basketball game. I think Michigan's just a really complete team. And despite what you say about Michigan, to credit them, whether it be the coaching job that's being done or – It pains me to say it. John Beeline might be the best coach He might be the coach basketball. in the tournament. Beeline might – I mean – what he's doing right it's now. two straight what, years now where he's taking a team that kind of looked dead in the water midseason and last year, you know, had him in the Elite Eight, was on the verge the most of the Final out of Four. And, and yeah. from, from a defensive standpoint, that's why I think that Loyola might struggle with them because Michigan's playing such good defense right now. Um, I, I still lean towards Michigan here, but no matter what you say about it, we've been crediting Loyola's opponents for a while now because you expect them to lose after that first round win and then after the second round win. You know, mm-hmm. you always say, oh, but this is a more complete Michigan team or this is a more complete Kansas State team or what is this Nevada team? Loyola really doesn't seem concerned with who the opponent is. They're, they're just kind of playing their game against everyone. And they've shown that they can win not only close games in the early rounds, but then, I don't want to, it wasn't a runaway, but they, they handily took care of Kansas was State. Was never really in doubt? No, it was, it, there was never a big point of contention or, or a, a, a big moment because there didn't have to be. And the fact that they're, they've shown that they can win both ways, I think is, is another credit to them. Wouldn't surprise me to see them beat Michigan at this point. No, I mean, I think you touched on it there. They're finding different ways to win ball games, and I think that's always the sign of a great team. They're, they're not just relying on one way to do things. They're, they're winning it with mm-hmm. different people, playing different types of basketball, different ways, second-half comebacks, you know, <clears throat> even games the whole way, blowout, whatever. Uh, they're finding ways to win. They're finding ways to contain really good players, and they're, they're finding ways to get the buckets when they need to down the stretch. And you got to give a credit to, to Porter Moser, who now it looks like is probably going to be back at Loyola next year with that pit job being taken up. But um, I, 
they're, they're doing a great job, and I think he's going to get a nice pay raise. And I, I don't think this is a team that's necessarily going to go away next year. This is just going to be kind of a one and done. They bring a lot back a lot of talent next year. I don't they know if they have the a NBC. senior. Do they have a senior or one uh, senior I believe or like Ben that? Richardson is a senior guard. I, okay. I think everyone else is junior. Uh, maybe yeah. Dante Ingram. not totally sure they're either, but I, I believe they're a fairly young team. <laughs> two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Did you know that about the Loyola men's uh, basketball team? No, I did not know <laughs> Nor that. did I. <laughs> Nor did I. So it's been really fun getting to know this team, too, and getting to know all these other teams that maybe you don't watch as closely throughout the season when you get down to an Elite 8, Sweet 16, Final Four level. You, you really get to know these ball clubs after watching them for a couple weeks. It's kind of funny to me how basic, how opposite each side of the bracket has gone, whereas you got Michigan and Loyola in the Final Four of one where you know, it just seemed upset after upset after upset, and then on the other side... You basically I, have chalk. You got one versus one. I think Kansas yeah, faced a three. And, or Villanova faced a three. Kansas faced a two. And, and it, those it, are it, really good number ones. So that's why I think the championship is going to be played in the final four round. It really doesn't matter who comes out of that side of the bracket or who comes out of this Michigan-Loyola matchup for that matter. I don't think either of those teams match up with either of the teams on the other side. Neither do I. I mean, Villanova against Texas Tech, they kind of had their bad game. They're not their greatest game of the tournament. They didn't shoot very well. And they still won that game by, what, five or six points against a pretty good Texas Tech team who plays really good defense. So I think they might have even gotten their bad game out of kind of out of the way a little bit in Kansas. I think you saw was incredibly resilient against Duke. Mm-hmm. There were times that down was... the stretch in the second half where Duke started getting, you know, the, the Coach K calls a little bit, and it, it kind of could have oh, folded that, in. That 4-1 was... zone, that 4-1 zone with the floor slap was my favorite. <laughs> everyone everyone was going crazy on that about Twitter. Like, you can't hands, you can't ground you, you, slap. You can't ground slap on a zone. You can't ground yeah. slap in a you, zone. You can ground slap if you're playing, I've man. ground you slapped in a zone. I've cool. ground slapped. I mean, so have I, but I've And I'm always the first one in pickup to suggest that we play zone. Oh, so. I, I, I'm <laughs> I'm saying with you. Let's, you guys, guys want to go 3-2? You guys want to go 3-2? Well, 2-3. Let them no, shoot it. I don't think they could shoot it. <laughs> Kansas did show that they could shoot it, though Malik Newman, I think, yeah. just about every three-pointer he was given in the second half and then kind of seemed like when Grayson Allen's shot went in and out twice there at the buzzer beater, it seemed like it was going to drop two separate times. And That was kind of it for Duke. Can I tell you how excited I was that a human named Dante DiVincenzo had the game that he had off the bench? I think he had like 12 points, eight boards, had a couple nice slams. Like he was, he, he made a little highlight reel for himself there, DiVincenzo. So it got to be a huge fan of Dante DiVincenzo. Maybe you should get his jersey. You, know, you probably I can't might. buy his I actual might. jersey, but the, the, the Villanova jersey with his number on it there. Rock Chuck. Okay, so let's make some picks here, Matt, now that we've kind of broke down each side. Who do you like in the Michigan Loyola matchup? Ty. Tie your horse to a buggy. You know, I have been or buggy to a horse. I'll be honest with you. I've picked against Loyola in every round, and I hope I'm not jinxing them here. One because I can't. You just did by one one, because I cannot talk about. Well, first off, you know I can't pick Michigan. I just I can't. I also know that you have zero to do with the outcome of the Michigan Loyola game. I think that has a lot to do with it. Your your latter point right there is always a good point. I can I can never pick Michigan, but also Loyola's. Finding ways to win bat, not that Michigan isn't, but Loyola's all just finding ways to win basketball games. I think they're a really good team, and I think they're going to find a way to pull this one out. And then I've been since the last podcast, I believe, I, I had Villanova. I said they're going to win after the Sweet Sixteen, so I'm going to keep riding with them. I think they're most, mm-hmm. the most complete team in the country. I think I think it's the easy pick right now, but I think they'll beat Kansas in a, in a fairly close game and then take care of business fairly easily in the title. Um. I, I, it's up in the air for me, this Michigan Loyola game. And I wanted to make like an, nothing would surprise me in that one. 
Yeah. If it was on Good Friday or on Easter, I'd go with it. I'd mm. go with Loyola, but it, it yeah. falls on the Saturday. It falls on Holy, Holy Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, so which is I don't know nothing how really much, happened there. Yeah, I don't know how. It was, no, it was a hollow time. It was not a, it was, it's not the, the best of dates. Jesus it, was it, still you know, dead. In the canon. Jesus was, st- and, and everyone was kind of, bu- everyone was pretty bummed, you know? So um, I, I don't. I don't know if uh, if that has anything to do with it. I think I'm going to go with Michigan here. I think they're just. I, I think this has been a great run for Loyola, and I think that um, what they've done has been awesome to watch. I just think Michigan. I don't think they match up with Michigan that well. I think Michigan can go big on them, and I think that if Michigan can hold them, I mean, inside of 60 points, which they've done to they've some of their opponents. Yeah, inside of 70, inside of 60, which they've done down the stretch here in the conference tournament and now in March Madness. I just like Michigan in that matchup. I think they're they're going to be too much for Loyola. If that big freshman, was it Cam Crutwig, I think it is, can, can stay out of foul trouble down low and have an impactful presence for Loyola, I think they'll have a good shot. But if he, if yeah. he gets into foul trouble early, uh, Michigan could kind of take that one. And I think you might find out early on what's going to happen in this one, whether or not Loyola is a little bit like – not complacent, but like, hey, you know, we we did it. We made the final four. Whether they're, you know, yeah, but that has that hasn't been their tone either. No, it so hasn't. I but think I think that, yeah. all I'm saying is, I think you'll find out a little bit early on whether or not. Like, it, it's easy to say one thing, but yeah. it's also it, it's also easy, you know, after a week to kind of it might feel be, it a little bit, you know, we're, it we're might in the be final Z, four. It might be the Moritz Wagner show. I, sh- I sure about. hope. I sure hope so. That. <laughs> all right, Matt. Well, on the other side, uh, as you said, chalk one versus one Villanova Kansas. Uh, I'm going to give my pick here because Jay Wright is the best dressed man in sports. So, um, you know, I got to ride with Villanova, but I also do think that they are the best team in this tournament and that they've showed it at every juncture. They really have, uh, every team they've played, they've kind of had some slow starts here and there, but they've basically looked dominant throughout the entire Mm -hmm. tournament. That second half against Alabama in the second round was one of the best halves of basketball I think I've ever seen in college basketball. They look better than the Bulls. <laughs> I think you and I look better than the Bulls. A lineup that's not even that's not trotting out Dunn, Levine, or Markkinen for the past like five nights. Yeah, I checked out on that. So also, I, I don't know what the line they play the Rockets at home tonight, Joe. I, or at, in Houston, I'm not sure what the line is. I know James I don't care what it not is. playing. Put a hundred dollars on the Rockets. Put what you for got me. on Houston. <laughs> oh God. Um, well, we will get to some Western Conference talk later on in the show, Matt. But right now, I need you to make a pick. Kansas Villanova. Oh, I, I told you I got Villanova. You um, said Villanova. Okay, I did I say know. Yeah, I, I had Villanova. I know you were going positive on Villanova. I don't know if you were going to pull the uh, pull yeah, the rug out gonna, from under us. No, I'm going to go Villanova. Uh, I think they're the best team in this tournament. I think they're going to win it all. Uh, <laughs> I, I picked them in the Sweet 16 when we talked last week, so I'm going to yep. going to stick with it. How about yourself? Um, I said I said uh, Villanova as oh, well. Good call. I, I wasn't I, listening. I gave the first pick. Well, now that we're that we're running in circles here, Matt. Why don't we move on? Uh, that was uh, our March Madness portion of the podcast, but. Opening day this Thursday. Got to talk some baseball. Got to make some predictions. Uh, Matt, your spring takeaway for uh, for Cubs and Sox. Anything catch your eye? Both teams, I mean, Sox got a little dinged up, but both teams came out generally unscathed. Yeah, I, I think the the what I'm going to be looking for most, obviously on the south side, it's pretty easy. You're looking for these young guys to continue to take you know more steps forward. I think... Yohan uh-huh. Moncada, I think, came on really well uh, second half of spring here. I think he started out pretty pretty bad, but upped his average about 260, 270. And again, it's just the spring, so it doesn't mean a whole lot, but still nice to see guys like that improve. I'm excited to see what he looks like at, at the top of the lineup. 
Um, it's a different spot. It's obviously going to get him a lot more at bats. He's probably going to be put in some different situations, uh, but he's he's got a great eye and he hopefully can draw a lot of walks from up there. Um, on the on the south or north side, excuse me, I think the the two stories, two things you're looking forward to are Kyle Schwarber, obviously, seeing he he can have a, a bounce back year. I don't think he's the hashtag skinny Kyle. I don't think skinny Kyle is uh, is the Babe Ruth <laughs> that he was crowned to be after the after the World Series in 2016. But I also don't think he's nearly as bad as he was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're looking for him to bounce back to hit around 240, 250 with about 40, 45 homers, and then see what you Darvish gives you in that rotation. Uh, he's had a pretty good spring, and if he can be, I know he's right now the number two, but he's he's kind of the ace of that staff because John Lester is not really John Lester's not John Lester anymore. He's, he's still, very, still a very solid pitcher, but I think he's realistically more of the three or four in that rotation. So see if you Darvish can be the ace. Um, he's kind of showed moments here and there. He's had downswings here and there in his career. See if he can be that dominant ace for the Cubs. Yeah. And you paid him ace money, so he better be the ace, not yeah. see if he can be the ace. I think that's that's very important. And if he can, Matt, if he can, I think I know the Brewers and Cardinals both got a lot better this offseason. They took some positive steps, but there is no reason why the, it, the Cubs should not win that division. It, since Milwaukee really didn't address that front end of the rotation starter they need, I don't think there's any reason why the Cubs shouldn't win that division. They should be heavily favored, and I think they should do it. I think that you're going to see a, a big push from a little bit of a resurgence from a. Uh, Cardinals team, uh, do they have it to go the dis? Do they have the what you need to go the distance? I, I don't know. That's where I'm to, at as well. To hang around with one six, uh, for one sixty two, the Brewers showed that they didn't have what it takes to go the distance last season. Um, I, I think those are two good ball clubs, and I think there's going to be a lot of good baseball played in the NL Central. Mm-hmm. But if we're making, let's make our picks right here. I think the Cubs win the division this year as well. Still think the Cubs need to go out and address, not right now, not immediately, but I do think they need to address another bullpen arm. I, I like uh-huh. Brandon Morrow a lot, but he's never been a closer really full-time. Um, and I, I think he's, he's a guy who's also had injury problems in his career. Uh, not so much lately, but early on. And I, I don't think that's a guy... You shouldn't be reliant completely pretty much on Brandon Morrow on the back end of that bullpen. I think you need to go out. And I don't yep. know where you do it, but find another arm or two. And it's going to be tough because that that prospect system, that prospect pool, kind of since that Quintana trade has been depleted quite a bit, and they, they still have some some more top end players, but they don't really have the young guns to, to go out and pull off a move for a major major uh, you know back end closer mm-hmm. front end starter that they that they really need. Uh, nonetheless, one of one of the better one of the better top to bottom rosters in the league uh, on the on the Cubs side on the north side and uh, the AL Central Matt let's let's jump over to the other side uh, make your pick for who you think is going to win the AL Central this year well I mean you got to think Cleveland's going to win it um, yeah I, they, I don't I think they're kind of on the on the, the back end of their their window but um, still but I, I still think they're a very good team they still have maybe the best pitcher in the AL uh, leading that staff and Corey Kluber uh, and I, I think they're a very, very good baseball team. And honestly, number two for me is up for grabs. I can see, I mean, the Twins are going to be the team that everybody's going to have finishing second, but they kind of came out of nowhere last year to win that wild, the second wild card, and I'm not really sure where they're at. They didn't really do that much to address the rotation. I know Lance Lynn's a, an okay starter, but the NL to AL transition usually uh, isn't always the smoothest one. I know Irvin Santana, who was their ace all of last year, is going to be starting the year uh, either on the DL or, or not throwing right away. Um, and I, I think that the rest of that division is a little bit wide open, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the White Sox at least making a little bit of noise early on. Uh, I think we've talked about it. I don't think that Rick Hahn will, will let that bullpen stay intact if they are because I think he'll sell off the, the bullpen there for some, some valuable minor league pieces, but I think that'll be the last year he does it. But I, I think that they're the, the Sox are a team that can make some noise with how bad the rest of that division might be with, in, with the uh, the Tigers and the Royals. 
I think that you also make the point, Matt, that if they do have a good first 40, uh, do they find themselves in a buyer's position or will they remain sellers? I think that if, if you have a good first 40 games and, and you're posi- positioning yourself to be competitive in the AL Central or just in the American League in general, then this is a year when you can make a what feels like a year too early big move. Splash, go get an arm. An arm that you can sign for an that's, extended amount yeah, of time for thing. a second a contract. Rental. No, it cannot be a rental, but it needs to be a long term. You're thinking uh, reworking a contract, paying paying a guy even more than he's making, paying whatever you have to get to get him here. Not the end of the world. No, uh, because if you feel that you're close enough, a year, two years away from being competitive, then an arm there that early to kind of build around is not the worst thing in the world. No, and I, I, think I don't that, disagree. And with I think either. that. And I think that that would be a, a, and also a way to keep the casual White Sox fan engaged for 162 games, which is something that the franchise hasn't done in a while. You know, it, it, it's interesting for me because last year with how bad they were, I think that was probably the most engaged that fan base has been. In, because they since, saw the seeds yeah, of it. Exactly. You can't, the, you can't throw it in a neutral this season. See, here's the thing. They want to see continued improvement. Here's my one minor minor disagreement with you on why they can kind of continue to I'm not saying by by any means blow it up but you know if Joaquin Soria is having a good year uh you know he kind of refines what he used what he used to be a couple years with the Royals as your closer and you get a team maybe even like not uh, the Cubs or just a random example because they're a team we were just talking about their bullpen but a team who comes in and kind of blows you away with an offer for a closer for a guy who's not going to be part of your rebuild that's all I'm saying is I think they're they, yeah. they're going to be open to deals like that and the thing that the White Sox still have going for them this year is they still have guys like Michael Kopech, who's grand probably going to be up in May, but they have Eloy. They still have these younger guys who are going to be climbing up through the system. While it, you might not be as competitive at the end of the year as you want, you still have these guys you can call up, space them out, and kind of use that. Is not only they're not going to call them up before they're ready or you know screw with their development, but they will space out call ups to get you know people back interested, maybe once interested, waned a little bit from another prospect. They still have kind of one more year of that card to play, if that makes sense. I think you're way too level-headed about it, and I hate that. So uh, That's I fair. Think- no, that's fair. That, honestly, that's, <laughs> what, that's what podcasting's all about. One of us needs to be level-headed, one of us needs what to be the we, fan. Usually, it's the we, other way around. What we most importantly need to do is give the people a fade moose and runes opportunity here. We have the futures numbers, Cubs sitting at 94 and a half wins, Sox at 68 over under Matt. Let's start off with the Cubs over under 94 and a half wins. I'm going over. Um, I, going I, over? I, I'm not sure. Like, like we talked about with this bullpen, I'm not sure where it leaves them if this is the bullpen they go into the playoffs with. But as far as the regular season goes with that lineup, uh, with that rotation, I, I'm not sure they're going to need the best of bullpens. What was, what was last year? A 92, 92 win season? I, think, uh, I believe like they that. had 90. I think they ended up right at, might have right at 90. Uh, right, at right around 90, 92. I think they're uh-huh. going to be much better than they were last year. That They, they finished with 92 wins, you know, being under 500 at the All-Star break. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see them having that slow of a start. Uh, I, I know the division's probably a little bit better this year with Milwaukee and St. Louis taking steps forward, but I think they're going to go uh, over 94. I, I probably got them around 98, 99. I think that, yeah, I think that's a, a spot-on number there, 94 and a half. Um, I'll go over to just to be you know the positive person that I am. Um, I think that, like you said, if they don't get the slow start that they did last season, it shouldn't be a problem. But that lineup such, is just—it's so, it's such, such a deep lineup. So much firepower it. and so much depth and so many options. And a guy who loves to play with his options and keep guys engaged for 162. And um, I think just they're—they're they're again in a position to be 
a competitor when, when you're talking about October, um, November type type season. So it, it does I think, look to me. I think ninety four and a half is uh, is a little on the low side. In in my opinion, too, it seems like Ian Happ is going to start in the leadoff mm-hmm. spot, and I'm, I'm very glad, I guess, for that you Kyle Schwarber's have, development. That you that, actually have a leadoff hitter. Yes, now. now Ian Happ still isn't your prototypical leadoff hitter, but he's a little bit more of that guy than you know Kyle Schwarber is, and I know in, the, in February, January, Joe Madden was toying around with the idea again, saying, you know, oh, you know, that's not why he was bad last year, all that stuff, toying around with doing it again. And I, I don't think we've seen the last of Kyle Schwarber hitting leadoff just because Madden tinkers with that lineup so much. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad for him at least that he's not going to be up there because I don't think that's a spot for him to succeed. And I think they got it right either with Hap or when Albert Elmore gets, gets his shots up there. I think those are your two best options for the Cubs. Matt, take them south. 68 wins for the White Sox over under. I think, in my opinion, this is all contingent on what does happen at the trade deadline and what happens in the first 40 games that dictates what happens at the trade deadline. If they are in a competitive position, obviously easy to say over that 68, but... You think, again, they're going to somewhat throw it into neutral, keep it right around that 68 win mark. See, here's what they did. We, we talk about them throwing it into neutral and kind of, you know, selling and all that, what they did last year. But at the same time, they finished the last, I think it was the last month of the year, a, a 500 ball club. So it's not, they're a team who, while they might still sell off some parts, they're very they're a very proud team. They have a manager who really knows how to get the best and most out of his younger players. And I don't think just because they might move a piece here or there that they're just going to throw it in you know into tank mode right there. I, I think they're a good team. I think they're a competitive team. And I think no matter what they do at the deadline, there's still going to be a lot of young guys trying to prove themselves. I think 68 and a half is a little bit of a low number. I would say mid-70s is probably where they end up, so I'm going to go over. Matt, but you know, I mean, you know how important in all sports it is, but especially in baseball, the temperature within the clubhouse, the mood around the guys, the what the group is like together. And when you trade off pieces, important pieces, integral pieces year after year, you're reinventing your group at the trade deadline. But you're are re- they integral pieces re- that they're shipping you're, out? You're relearning your room, is my point. Anybody that-, that they've shipped out is not part of the rebuild, part of the future plan. If you look back, I, nobody that they've shipped finish, out is part of that. If you let me finish my point, the once you have to rebuild and learn the room, they did that successfully and finished strong, as you said at the end of last season. Thank don't you. make them don't make them do that again this season. Add a piece. That's my point. I, I am not hey, I'm not opposing if they're in a spot and that's what Rich Hahn decides to do. I, I you're not gonna hear me complaining or crying about it. I'll be happy that they're going for it. I, I think the, the most important thing, and it's something that we'll never know about or hear about, is that as long as whatever you know, Rick Hahn can do whatever he wants right now with, with, with the way this rebuild is going, because I think he's earned that right. He's earned the trust of Sox fans and the team. Mm-hmm. As long as he is upfront and honest with that team and you know, say they do try, decide to trade Joaquin Sorry at the deadline, that shouldn't come as a surprise to that clubhouse. That shouldn't come as a you know, shocker to the people, at least the, the, you know, core pieces of the rebuild that matter. There, there should be, you know, heads up given like, Hey, I know we're playing well, but this is the plan. This is the one we've laid out. And this is what we're going to do. As long as they're upfront and honest and transparent, not, not with us, but with the people in that clubhouse, the people that matter toward that rebuild, I'm okay with what they do because I think that goes a long way. With that said, I'm going under the 68 wins. I think that it's another hater. Um, I think that it's another missable season. Um, let's move on. Matt, we got, uh, or no, before we move on, let's do a way too early World Series prediction. Ooh, wow. I'm going, just to put it right on the table without breaking it down, the World Series I want to see in the World Series that, who has it this year? Fox? That yeah, Fox, Fox. Fox always has Fox it. Fox has it forever, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that Fox wants is New York Yankees, 
against, uh, give me the Nationals. I think that that would be. You think a that's block- the one Fox wants? I think that that would be a blockbuster. New York, Washington, Bryce Harper. You need to get that guy in a World Series to keep his brand as hot as ever. I mean, we don't want him to be one of the greatest baseball players that ever played the game who never saw a World Series. Like that's always boring. So let, let's get the Nationals there against a Yankees ball club that's going to hit 8 million home runs this season. See, I think the, the if you ask Fox, whoever is running that place now in the, in the heart of hearts, what he wants, I think he'd say he wants Yankees-Cubs. Um, but that said, I'm going to I'm going to take Houston again. I know, I know there's you know World Series hangover and all that stuff, but that team is still so good. And that's like you look at that lineup. That's one of the few in base, along with the Yankees. That uh, I'll give them that. But you look at that lineup. It's one of the few that you know. You you look at the Cubs lineup and you say you know that one actually might be better. Uh, yeah. I think Houston actually might have the. I know Yankees obviously have the big names uh, in, in Stanton, Judge, and, and Gary Sanchez, but they also have a lot of strikeouts in that lineup. Eight Everyone one through nine in Houston's lineup is is so good. And I, I'm going yeah. to I'm going to take them. Um, I, I hope we see another ALCS like last year's between Houston and New York because that was one of mm-hmm. the best baseball series I think I've ever seen. Been followed by the World Series. Um, and I, I'm I'm going to go with the Dodgers again. I, I'm I'm going to pick a rematch of last year. I know how how infrequently that happens, but I think they're a really good ball club, and I think bullpens usually tend to win out. Uh, in in October, and I think they still have the best back end of a bullpen in baseball, and I still think they ever. I, I think they have the ammo to go out and get whichever top end starter is available at the deadline. I think they'll do that. Man, I said without breaking it down. So. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear. You. I thought um, I said break no, it down. I'm kidding. That was very well said. Um, so you're taking. The, I'm, I got a rematch. I got. Dod- I, I, I want to see it again okay. after last year's World Series. I really want to see that one again. Give me Dodgers and Astros. Run it back, Matt says. Matt, uh, as we're talking right now, I always have the TV on in the background on mute, and I'm watching a Saquon Barkley, uh, Colin Coward interview right now, and they're just playing a bunch of Saquon Barkley B-roll. Oh, yeah. And I can't wait for football season, so let's jump into some let's jump into some NFL. Um, Saquon, obviously. What do you what do you really think Saquon's going to be? Let's get into that. Define, Define force. I think that he's going to be one of the top three running backs for at least the next five years. You think he can be a 25, 30 carry a game guy in the NFL? Yes. Because I, yes. I, I think he I can think, be an electric playmaker, Saquon, but I'm not sure he's a guy who you're going to be giving the ball 35, you know, handing off 25, 30 no. times a game to well, like he, Leonard Fournette. He doesn't need, he doesn't need to have the ha- ball handed off to him 25 <laughs> times a game because that's not who he is. Well, you that's need just, to get, but you need to get the ball to him somehow 30 times a game. That NFL, I agree with. The NFL and we, we talked about this when Matt Forte retired. What is better than a running back that can turn into a receiver 15 yards downfield? Nothing. No, it's, I, so, I it's so hard to guard. If you use him correctly and you use his talent correctly, he's going to be one of the best players in the league immediately. That's if the he, key. And, right if he sto- and if he stops trying to jump over everybody because he's going to get killed. And I know, I know. Yeah, but one against Iowa was awesome. I know, and they're awesome, and they happen at all levels, but you're going to get someone who runs straight through your body at the NFL level. Yes, DBs still do go low, and they're going to try and go low on Saquon because he's a house as well, and he'll pull a couple of them off. I just don't want to see him get hurt early on, and we're we're watching another premier player get shelved for the rest of the season or something like that. I, th- I think you hit on it well. Is it th- th- He needs to be used in the right way, and that's why I, I don't know where he's going to end up yet, obviously, but I think it's apparent there very important that he ends up in the right spot 
because mm-hmm. if he ends up in a situation with a, a team that's going to try to hand him the ball 25-ish times a game, I don't think he's going to work out very well. But if he finds, you know, if, if he gets in a system like the Bears use Matt Forte, where you know he's got you know 19 carries and you know six receptions, something along the lines of that, where you're kind of mixing and matching with the way he gets the ball, then I think he's going to be one of the mo- you know, most valuable weapons in the NFL. But I think, now, like Matt, you said, you need to get creative and you need to use him in the right way yeah. because I'm not sure he has the the size and the durability I, to be in every down, you know, between the tackles running back. I think that I think that the eye test when you're when you're analyzing college football players going to the next level, the eye test isn't that great because there's such a small pool of guys mm-hmm. and they're all so similarly talented. They're all premier elite athletes that are about to play at the next level. Like even if you look at the numbers from the combine or if you look at numbers from anywhere, this is such a closely packed group of guys year after year. The eye test works when you're looking at high school players because, oh, that kid looks different. He's going to play at the next level. Or when you're looking at grade school kids, like that kid's going to be really good. He's the big kid out there. Mm -hmm. You could always do that at the younger level. You can't really do that because everyone's piled up. This season, Saquon Barkley passed an eye test for everybody. He was better. He looked, not even just this year, but for the last... See, Three he years, had moments this year, years? but he also had flashes where he kind of went away. Okay, you could talk about him late in the season, how he went away, and whatever you want to say. But I, I really just think he was top tier, better than everyone. All of his contemporaries were not peers. You know, like I, I think that at the college level, you don't often see that. And I think we saw something different in Saquon Barkley. I, I, I think we're kind of saying a little bit of the same thing here. I just, I think we're, we're disagreeing on how they're going to get there. I think I... I agree with you. In the right situation, the right spot, Saquon Barkley is going to be one of the most valuable weapons in the NFL. And that's kind of where – but I think he needs to land in you – know, all these NFL – most of these NFL coaches are smart. Uh, I, I kind of say most because we saw what the Bears did with their offensive weapons last year or lack thereof. Um, but I, I think they will – whoever drafts him will yeah. have a plan with how to use him and know how to use him. It He's looks the, uh, like it's either going to be Hugh Jackson in, in Cleveland or Pat Shermer in New York, and both of those guys say what you want about Hugh Jackson as a head coach. He's a pretty solid offensive mind. They kind of know how to use those guys. Yeah, so I think that uh, he's going to be fun to watch, and uh, I'm putting my chips behind Saquon Barkley. Matt, if we're talking about big names in the NFL, one who obviously keeps himself in the headlines, but not for the right reasons right now, Odell Beckham talking about possibly being moved out of uh, New York. I don't know how I feel about this quite yet. Yes, he pro- – he- okay, this is, this is how I see it. If you're going to move – I know I'm – Posing it as a question, then answering it immediately. I apologize. Sure. No, but that's fine. If you're gonna, if you are going to shop Odell Beckham at all, if you're gonna say no one's untouchable, then the Giants think that Odell Beckham's best is behind him, and I think that's a ridiculous notion. That's that's how I feel about it. Because unless they're really trying to not deal with a personality or they're seeing issues that can't be resolved with them. Okay. I understand that, but that there's been that guy in the NFL forever. Dallas made it work with Michael Irvin. Like, come on. We're talking about the top three, top four wide receiver in the game. You find a way to make it work. Yeah. I mean, I unless, probably, unless, I call you think, unless you think the best is behind him. I call him the top wide receiver in the game, and he's he's 25 years old. So say what you want about it. the best is not behind him, um, yeah. unless there there's some hidden injury issues that nobody knows about. Uh, the, the best is not behind Odell Beckham. If they are actually looking, to, I, I don't know what his contract demands are. I think we've talked about it, heard about that he wants, you know, he not only wants to be the highest paid receiver, he wants to be the highest paid player in football. 
Um, and if that's what the Giants want, they don't think they're in a spot where you know they're they're kind of ready to contend and do that, and they think they're better off getting you know a first and a third or something back for them. I guess I don't have a problem with it, but if I'm running a, a football team, if I'm Ryan Pace, I know I you know I see the Rams are all over uh, right now. They're they're apparently been on the phone, uh, apparently saying number there are first round picks in play, whatever. I would be on the phone doing whatever it is I could to get him in my uniform, and I'll, I'll sign him to that deal, and I'll figure it out later what I'm going to do with that cap situation. Because Let's it'd be one thing if it's a 29 year old wide receiver who's you know who was branded yeah, Marshall. Now you're talking this kid's about 25 years old. He has done nothing but when, when he's been healthy, which has been most of his career, he's done nothing but produce on the field. Even with his off the field issues, whatever sideline blowups, it, it's never affected him on the field. He's always been the most unguardable player in the NFL. Um, and, and I think that any team who thinks they're that one receiver away, one weapon away, should be going out and doing everything they can to get them. And I think Absolutely. the Bears should be doing that. Matt, the only reason I say top two, top three is because you'll also, in the same breath, hear me call Julio Jones and Antonio Brown the best wide receiver in the game. So I got to cover and my Alan back Robinson. there. I got to cover my back there. And Allen Robinson, yes, of course. of course. He's 1A, you know, he, he's kind of on his own. He's on his own. Yeah, he's got his own level, he's there. got his own tier. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, all right, Matt. Well, there is obviously, and you touched upon it, other headlines in the NFL right now. Uh, Sue to the Rams. And Sue headed to the Los Angeles Rams. He's a guy who we who still is effective, but who we've seen uh, digress a little bit in his performance. That contract, if I'm not mistaken, was one year, $14, 14 million. Mil. I'm, yeah, that's yeah. right. So a one-year payday kind of. A uh, come and go, obviously, still a very nice payday for Indomitian. Do you think that's a good fit? Do you think that makes them, I mean, obviously their defensive line was so strong already, but do you think that makes them head and shoulders better than everyone? Uh, I, I do. Um, I think that's a great <laughs> move for them. I think before that move, people were already saying, you know, they're probably the favorites to come out of the NFC, them and Philly. Um, and with the unfortunate situation going on with Michael Bennett in Philly, it looks like he's probably not going to play this year. Now the Rams' D-line is getting much better, and I think you know while Sue hasn't been the dominant Sue that we do, knew in Detroit, um, I think playing alongside Aaron Donald, where he's not the focal point of you know teams' game playing, teams' defensive line, and combine that with that it's a one-year deal and he's paying, playing for another payday, um, I, I think the it, it sets up for a fantastic year for him, and maybe we still don't see you know the elite by far head and shoulders best defensive lineman in the league in Dominican Sue, but I think we see him show flashes of that, and I think he is he's going to have a great year alongside Aaron Donalds in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, I think that it's going to be tough for, for teams just to quarterbacks to, to, contain s- those two. to stand in there. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and uh, it could be a, uh, a, a renaissance of Dominican Sue. He's but, always been the flashy type. He's always mm-hmm. been maybe not... Um, well, I've him spoken, and Aaron Donald have always, been kind of like the two best defensive tackles in football, yeah. probably over the like they've kind of done yeah. it different ways. A, I'm talking about like as a fit, though. I think it, he'll fit in Los Angeles. Oh, very well. That's a great personality fit. Yeah, just I like Odell that, would be out in Los Angeles. I think that it would work. Uh, oh, that might be a little distracting. So, I don't, oh, New York <laughs> that might isn't? be an issue. Yeah, that's true. I guess you make. I guess you make a point there. But uh, that's the Matt, nicest let's, thing you've uh, ever said to me. Let's make a way too early prediction for the NFL. I want to talk MVP next season. Both of my predictions for MVP. I think it's going to be a two-man race. Both of them coming off of ACLs. Deshaun Watson and Carson Carson Wentz. Look at you, really going. And I'm, and I'm going to I'm going to lean towards Carson Wentz. But I think both of them have. I'm just hoping so badly that they both have solid successful comeback seasons because mm-hmm. what we saw and what we've seen from them, Deshaun, obviously a shorter sample size, but just 
what the league needs moving forward because Tom Brady can't play forever. And, and these this this older tier, your Drew Breeses, your Ben Roethlisberger's, we're in the twilight years of those. It might not feel like it quite yet because they're still playing so well. Mm-hmm. But those well, we are. are the guys. Those are the guys who are driving their team still at a at an older age. So we're going to need some young talent. It looked like these two guys could be two guys that could carry the league. I'm hoping for big comebacks from both of them. Well, it's obviously Mitch Trubisky. Um, I don't okay, think that's... Well, stop it. <laughs> no, stop uh, it. my uh, I guess you got to pick two. So my, my two yeah, that I'm going to have you, have you look out for are uh, same position, but I'm going to head out west, and I'm going to say keep an eye out for Jared Goff and keep an eye out for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think those two are, are poised for big years. I think Jared Goff has all the, the talent around him a great supporting cast, and Todd Gurley especially, to kind of take the, the pressure and attention off him at the quarterback position. You don't, It's not many of those running backs in the NFL who can do that, but Todd Gurley is certainly one of them. And I think that team is just going to take another step forward. Um, and then, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, with what we saw him do last year, I guess he's more of a dark horse, kind of like that whole 49ers team is. But uh, I, I like a lot of the additions they've made, and they looked – they looked and he looked as good as anybody those last five games of the year last year. So I think uh, they'll probably take another step forward. So those are my two to look out for, Jimmy I G like and it. Jared Goff. I like it. And it's been amazing that I've watched the cycle being out here over the last month since Garoppolo signed the contract or even longer than that, watching what they did with the last five, six games of the season last year. Um, they went from being a team that everyone was hyped on to then they go ahead and pay their quarterback and a lot of the national fodder became negative on the 49ers that this was a leap of faith. Some people obviously were in support of it, just like anything. You get mm-hmm. you get people on both sides of it, and it makes sense to me. We're not going to jump fully into it. But there, there was a lot of negative. Richard Sherman negotiating his own contract, or are you signing a liability here with a cornerback with a recently ruptured Achilles? Now to this week, they're everyone's darling again. Jimmy Garoppolo, MVP Matt Rooney is talking uh, Colin Coward just had him in their top 10 teams in the league this year. So I wouldn't go I think that, that far. Well, I think that they're either going to be really good or they're going to be really bad. I think Fair that's, enough. It's, gonna go, it's not going to be a 500 football team. I, either way, I think that's good for business, whether they do great or yeah. flame out. I think that's, what, uh, that's kind of what sells. Jimmy G. Jimmy G all the way. I like the pick for MVP. When, when Jimmy G signed that contract, I remember I, didn't, I wasn't on the website, but somebody did like a, a story, like a screenshot of the 49ers website. Uh-huh. And you know how most of these websites, you know, there's like five or six articles on the right, and then you know on the bottom, there's like you know four or five videos. Yeah, literally every article Everything and was- video was Jimmy G related, <laughs> and it was more like the tweet was something along the lines of like, you go to the 49ers website, you think it's Jimmy Garoppolo's homepage. The pride of East Leiden was it? Uh, Rolling Meadows. Rolling Meadows, and then Eastern Rolling Illinois. Meadows, Eastern Illinois. Rolling Meadows, nice. You know you're Jimmy G. I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you di- listen to Chicago sports radio enough, Joey. Deep you, you dish, hear about him. Deep dish and Jimmy G. Uh, Matt, we're, we're hitting all bases today, so before we get into oh, some segments here, that's a home run. Let's uh, stop it. Let's talk. Uh, <laughs> and let's talk NBA. Uh, you you told me you know you're getting interested in the Eastern Conference race out here. Everyone's losing their minds about the Western Conference race. Uh, Kings fans starting to worry a little bit. Steph comes back from a two-week ankle injury to only to play three quarters and sustain a three-week knee injury because JaVel McGee is playing out of control. He shouldn't even be on a basketball court. But well, that's true. Uh, Matt, let's start off in the Western Conference with the question, do these injuries worry you to the point where you don't think that the Warriors will represent the West in in the NBA Finals. I, I know it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough conference finals between them and the Houston Rockets, and I know we're penciling them both in already. There's basketball to be played before then, but 
I, mean, I, it comes, I, be- I think it comes down to those two teams. I think it does too. Uh, I believe what what I said last week was, and this is obviously before Steph had the MCL. Um, I, I think kind of what I said was the injury that worries me most is, is Clay Thompson and that thumb, mm-hmm. and that because that's I think still has the most direct effect on what any of those you know three injuries do to those players. Um, if he's back healthy, and I I still think he will be. Um, I'm still not betting against Golden State because as much as that MCL might bother Steph, he'll still have a series to kind of come back, get his get his legs back underneath him. I don't think mm-hmm. no matter who they face in the second round, they're going to you know take it to more than six games. Um, and I I'm not going to pick against Golden State until they lose. They're that good. They're that type of a team. They're they're kind of like the Patriots, where it's like, hey, th- this team is good. They might knock them off. They look pretty good right now. But I'm still not gonna. It's like it's like when the Steelers play the Patriots. Honestly, like the, the Steelers have a great chance to do it. They can do it. But gun to my head, I'm not picking against the Patriots. I'm not picking against the Warriors. I think that's a, a smart approach to it. Thank Steve you. Kirk, Steve Kirk, coming out and saying he thinks that they can beat any team in the league, even without Steph. So also, I, I think I don't think their confidence. I don't think their confidence is shook. I think it was great if Kerr to just come out and flat out say he's not playing in the first round. Don't ask about yeah. it. He, he's not. It's, it's not yeah. going to happen. We're, we're you. Know, it will, will he should cross that bridge ju- and come to it. He's he not stopped just short of saying why. <laughs> like <laughs> why would he? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh goodness. Like they don't really need that. as much as the Utah Jazz have been a nice you know second half story here. They don't really need him to beat the Utah Jazz. Matt, let's swing it out east where things are heating up between uh, the Raptors, between Cleveland. Uh, you got a couple other teams in the mix for those three, four, five spots. Philadelphia being. Uh, they're only a game back of Cleveland for the three spot. Boston, obviously, three games back of Toronto. Toronto at one is looking like the only, and I don't want to call it a sure thing because things can still happen. It's getting Boston, close to it. And, and Boston with an injured Kyrie. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cleveland make a run here. I know it's going to have to be solely on LeBron's shoulders, but it looks like he's got it covered. So it, it's... Uh, if I'm it's, looking at things in the East, I know Boston's kind of been everybody's darling and stuff all year, but with, with Kyrie's knee kind of bugging him, and even if he comes back, you don't know how healthy he is. Obviously, they'll be without Gordon Hayward, and I think that was always you know part of the you know hopeful expectation going into this playoffs. Part of the hopeful reason, hopeful mindset that they could beat the Cavs was a healthy Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um, I don't see them as I see them as maybe the the third or fourth favorite to come out of the East at this point. I. I I'm not going to, kind of like what we said with Golden State, I'm not going to bet against LeBron. I still think he's got to be the favorite to come out with Cleveland there. Toronto looks really, really good, and I think that game we saw them play against Cleveland, I think it was last week, was they went toe-to-toe, step-for-step with LeBron, ended up losing in the end, but it was a tight game, and they, they were right there. They looked like they can compete. And Philadelphia is playing as good a basketball right now as it seems like anybody is. They have the star power, and they are going to have about 40-some million in cap space this offseason too. Um, but that they have in, in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as good of a kind of a one-two punch as I think is there is in the East. So I, hey, see, any one see, of those four I think can win the East. Do you see Markel Fultz out there? His arms were kind of working. That's, yeah, it, that's nice to see him. It's always I encouraging. I don't get why they <laughs> when brought When your first-round pick has functional arms. Why, why even bring him back this year with this little time? Like, I feel like the only things yeah. that could happen are bad. No, you could if you feel like this is a guy who is close enough to where he can be out there and play a couple minutes a game. You want to get a taste because you don't want him to wait another five months before NBA basketball is being played again, and he's got a stew in it that says you want to have him at least have him have a small amount of experience playing basketball at this level. 
hopefully he can go into the offseason with, with a positive thought and, and build off of that for next season. I mean, he didn't you look don't terrible s- last night. I think he ended no, up with like 10 points or 6 points yeah. or something in 12 minutes. Something. So not bad, whatever. Um, but I, a little, little hitch in his giddy-up. But the, uh, the way Philly's been going, the way things are going for the city of Philadelphia lately, yeah, uh, kind of- don't, don't, don't. Don't sell short the 76ers, Joe. That, that, that's got to be a dark horse to come out of the East, I'm telling you. What about 2010 Philadelphia, um, Matt? What about was, You were supposed to back me up there. Those I don't the know Hawks. what you're talking about. When the oh. Hawks won their first Stanley Cup against well, yeah, that was Philadelphia. a while ago. That was against Philadelphia. That was, yeah, well, was I was trying ago. to go negative on Philadelphia because yeah, they're this, having a very positive time right now. That was pretty awesome, though. Come on, man. That was good times. Uh, let's, jump was. This, yeah. let's jump Where'd in. Let's jump in. Where did you watch that game, Joe? Uh, 2010 was in my basement. Now, full mm-hmm. disclosure, I was 20 years old, but we had Joe. some so- we had some soda Joe. pops down there. We were in a controlled environment. Joe. We were all back from college, obviously. Joe. So uh, that's illegal. And, uh, we were drinking Bud Diesels. It was it was a great night. Oh, that's it was okay. a great night. Um, and then we may or may not have gone out to celebrate on Madison Street. Well, you know, everybody does that. That's, Who knows? That's more Who than knows? Given. Yeah, that was a fun um, time. Could, should we Good have time. a full? Where were you? Like, are things going to get that bad? That no. we're not going to have anything positive to talk I about have, Chicago sports. I have told Where that, were you when? <laughs> I, I've told you how I feel about that team going forward, and I'm still very high on them. I know. Matt, let's jump into some buy or sell here because I've already expressed my grievance with you. It's trying to, it's trying to go you and go you <clears throat> into giving me a hockey minute, but it didn't work. Can't, can't do it's it. Fair. It's Matt, fair. It's fair. Buy or sell? Kirk Cousins signing with the Vikings makes them the obvious NFC favorite. Um, well, Seeing that as I already basically picked the Rams to come out of the NFC, that's true. My bad. Um, no, I'm gonna no. It's good. I'm gonna say no. Uh, I'm gonna sell it because it is. I think we're overselling who Kirk Cousins is a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kirk Cousins is a, is a is a very solid quarterback. I don't think he's in that elite group, and it's hard for me to think that he's going to. Now, now I I don't think Case Keenum is nearly as good of a quarterback as Kirk Cousins. Is not what I'm trying to say. But with what Kirk Cousins or what Case Keenum gave them last year, it's hard for me to see Kirk Cousins giving them much more. Because I you think put, Kirk Cousins. Wait, did, you put Kirk, You think Kirk Cousins is, is a parallel to Case? No, 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 no. Skill wise, no, no. I, I literally, I literally just said the opposite. Did um, you? Were I, didn't, I, said, I didn't. I didn't now, get that. No, I, I said didn't now get that. I don't think Case Keenum is as good as Kirk Cousins. It's exactly okay. What but I why said do you? This. But then, but then, why do you think that Kirk Cousins wouldn't? Because now, more? now, now it's a different offensive system, different offensive coordinator. So that is different. But with how their quarterback was asked to play, with how their receivers played, with with getting Dalvin Cook back this year, I think Case Keenum did exactly what that offense needed him to do. And I'm not sure they're going to ask Kirk Cousins to do much more than they asked Case Keenum to do last year because I think they are a deep team. I think they are a two-dimensional team on offense. And I think they're still going to be a defensively, you know, heavily reliant team that's going to ask their quarterback to more or less not manage the game, but not lose the game for them rather than go out and win it. You just called Kirk Cousins a game manager? No, I, I didn't do that. I said that's what I think they're going to ask him to do. And while I think Kirk I Cousins is a good quarterback, he didn't it's not like I mean he had some some very good seasons in Washington, but he also did some not so great things too. And yeah. I, I don't want to. Would I want Kirk Cousins quarterback my team? Well, no, because I love Mitch. But if I didn't have Mitch, yes, of course <laughs> I want him quarterbacking my team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think he. I think he got oversold, overhyped a little bit because he was you know the big name on a market this year. And and yeah. I think he's a very good quarterback, but I don't think they're going to the Minnesota's going to ask him to do much more than they asked Case Keenum to do in by far the best career year he's ever had or ever yeah, will he, have. 
So you're, you're taking the Dan Snyder approach, which is never doesn't matter what you're talking about. You don't want to take. No, if I if I was Dan Snyder, I'd have paid. I'd have paid Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's easy yeah. to say because it's not my money, but I'd have paid Kirk Cousins. I, I agree with most of what you're saying. I, I do think he brings a lot more to the table, but how he how they use him? Do they allow him to use that talent? Exactly. I, I think bring what, more potential and talent to the table, but I don't think they're going to ask him to use it as much. This wait, this was a buy or sell. So yeah, so I, well, sell? I said right you're away selling that it, I sold it you, because, because you're taking because you're, you're taking the Rams. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Hit me. Oh, I already forgot. Great radio. Um, oh, buy or sell. Uh, breaking news in the college basketball world here, Joe. <laughs> Jeff Capel uh, is is leaving Duke, the the longtime Coach K assistant. He's taking the head job at Pitt. So buy or sell. Jeff Capel can get Pitt back to that you know top of the ACC when. I, more in the Big East when they were down, kind of top of the conference, you know, number one, number two type seed potential. Sell, sell. It's too big of a, the conference is too deep. It's too stacked already. There's too much history. There's, there's too many programs who reload. If you can't recruit, you can't play at that level. I'm selling. See, but that's, Capel's supposed to now wonder, he's like, we wonder like how, the, we wonder how he does that recruiting. That's a big question. Um, yeah. Not, not, uh, are you not suggesting anything. Duke has blood on their hands? No, never. It's not, <laughs> it's not like they impossible. The top, they definitely totally didn't get the top three recruits in college basketball this year by doing nothing. Yeah, illegal. but um, if, I, if that, I was a top recruit in, in the nation too, I'd want to play at Duke. So yeah, that's, also true, but would you want to play at Duke for free or Kentucky for a hundred thousand uh, dollars? Probably Kentucky for a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, but I that's said, I, I, Jeff Capel has kind of been seen as like the the great recruiter there. Um, so mm-hmm. he, he might be able to get some talent into Pitt, and I still think Pitt might be a desirable place. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know about the top of that conference because, like you said, it is it's easily the deepest conference in college basketball. Yeah, it'd be tough to get him up to that point. Matthew, sure. buy or sell. Johnny Football comes out and says after his pro day that he will play in the CFL if he does not get interest from the NFL. Matt, buy or sell Johnny Football in the CFL? Is his draw, is his light big enough? Does he shine bright enough to make us watch CFL football? Uh, I would absolutely tune in early on to see what he can do. Okay. Um, And if he keeps playing well, I think I would. And I'm a football junkie. Like, I've made pretty pretty aware mm-hmm. on this podcast so i'll watch football anytime anyplace you, you uh, watch rob you watch rob gallick play on a computer i have not broken uh, down the film a, yet but i do a have soccer it. field i, I saw the film, the- if you want me to forward <laughs> that over to you uh there was uh, i've seen whatever i saw what rob what rob was posting uh, he yeah. was just out there chucking and ducking so God one, one play came dangerously close to uh to injuring that knee again so thankfully he didn't <laughs> um, it, it looked like it was oh. it was about joey the knee buckled it was about a centimeter away from <laughs> Uh, I, I hear need, the orthopedic over there. I hear the orthopedic surgeons are great out there, though. So oh, yeah. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'll, I'll buy it because uh, I don't think he's going to get an NFL interest right away. And he does yeah. seem he he seems dead set on coming back. And I'm not sure he's going to be good enough to come back. But I think he will do whatever it takes. And I don't think playing in the CFL is really above him or above really anybody in the situation that he's in. So I'll buy that. I'll tune in and watch him and kind of see what he can do for sure. As will I, Matt. Hit me. Joe, it wouldn't be a Moose and Runes podcast in the spring without talking a little golf. Of course. Um, can, can I ask you, buy or sell uh, match play events? We had the uh, the WGC uh, match play uh, last weekend. Buy, buy or sell match play? I buy match play. Uh, I obviously buy match play within the construct of a larger event like the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. But match play as a tournament, singular 
during the week like it was this week. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you really have to. I, I don't think it's a, a draw for the common golf fan because one, you got to explain new rules to them, and two, it's you might get left with two guys who don't have the biggest draw. Now, Bubba still has a big draw. He's still a household name when it comes to golf, but you end up with a Kevin Kisner in there. If it's a Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas final, obviously, yes, bye. This year, maybe didn't have the matchups that you like to see. There was the uh, Spieth-Reed matchup that didn't disappoint, but um, I think that match play just makes everyone feel like it's the Ryder Cup, and then it's not, like it falls short. So it it seems a bit out of place, but I buy it. I think it's a nice mix-up for... uh, the monotony of just stroke play throughout the entire season. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly there at the end there. It's, it's a great mix-up to do, you know, once a year. You kind of get some, you make it a WGC event, so it has a bigger feel to it. You get some bigger players out. And I think it's kind of the reverse of, of what a lot of the, the normal tournaments do, where you really are banking on a lot of people tuning into the early stuff because that's when you're going to have uh-huh. a lot of your bigger names still involved. You're kind of rolling the dice that you do get a big name that comes through to the finals this year. They, they did get one at least in Bubba Watson mm-hmm. and you had Bubba and I believe it was JT in the semifinals. So that was, uh, that was two big name matchups. I think it would have been on Saturday. So I'm, I'm going to buy it as well. I think it's good kind of mix up for, you know, once or twice a year, you know, once a year, I guess this is fine. And while it might be confusing, you know, to casual golf fans, you know, changing the rules, it's also kind of simple to say like, Oh, this is different. It's just that guy versus that guy. Whoever yeah. wins wins. It's it's a lot more. I think it's also it makes it actually a little bit more simple to follow. Yeah, Matt. Uh, I know we're going to have a podcast between it, but it's going to be predominantly our mailbag pod podcast oh, yeah. that we're going to jump into next week for the fiftieth anniversary podcast of the Moose and Moose Podcast podcast. But we've been making way too early predictions. Uh, let's do a semi too early prediction. Ooh, I love those, Matt. Masters winner named not named Tiger Woods. Oh wow, you really put me on the spot here, Dustin Johnson. You're going DJ. I'm going DJ. Man, you got to be long. You got to be straight. Short game's got to be on. That's sometimes where call it, it falls short. Call it nostalgia, Joe. But I'm going with lefty. No, I'm going with lefty. Really? Oh god. I mean, it's 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 because I love Phil and because you know I'm a lefty. So obviously I have hold those you know special near two, and dear in my heart. With the exception of Bubba, Bubba seems reasons. like kind of like a jackass. Um, but Phil, <laughs> Phil's playing good golf. He just went out a couple weeks ago and you know won in Mexico City dueling with Justin Thomas, who's the best player in the world. Um, I hear those greens. I hear, I hear those greens in Mexico City are. I think Justin Thomas fast. should be the odds-on favorite going into it because he's yeah. playing as good a golf as yeah. anybody right now. Tiger should not be the odds-on favorite, but that's what you know Vegas wants him to be. So people will bet on him and lose. Um, that said, I, I Phil always seems to come out and play well at Augusta. He always seems to be, you know, lurking on Sunday. And we haven't really had a Phil moment in the major in a couple of years, and I think he's kind of due for that. Um, so I'm going I'm to say Phil is the one putting on the green jacket. You don't think we're beyond Phil big major no, moments? No, I don't because I, oh, no. I think we've still seen him. I, I, he's not doing. He's, he's not going to be doing it on a regular basis like he used to. It's not going to be every major, but Phil is always there in majors. He's yeah. always lurking around. He's always giving himself a chance to win. He pretty much, looking back on majors, he always goes into Sunday either near the top or kind of in a position where, well, you know, if I get hot today, I have a chance. And that's kind of, sometimes he gets hot, sometimes he doesn't. That's kind of been Phil's entire career. And I, I, I think he's back. I think he's, he's going to get hot. I just hope for drama. And uh, Give me Phil and Tiger on Sunday in the second to last pairing. Give me drama. That would be great drama, and uh, we would all enjoy it. Matt? 
As we said, next episode, the 50th episode of the Moose and Roots podcast, it's going to be an all-mailbag podcast. We've gotten some great suggestions from you guys already. As of right now, it's going to be a 90% food podcast. And Joe, we, we, do, we thrive on food podcasts. But so. We do. We do. We can break it down for you. We thrive uh, on we food. Need, I, w- I, I was going to go. I want to prepare you because I have a little – like I have my own, my, my, my own submitted mailbag that, that I like that I came up with and we're just going to do uh-huh. it. Um, so this is about the time of year that all the ballparks start releasing, you know, new food items like the crazy stuff, the weird stuff, the stuff that looks really good. I uh-huh. want you to come back with what your your favorite of these, you know, what, what you think is the, the best looking food item of these new releases and the one that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. And I know how you feel about, you know, a nice brat with, you know, mustard and onions on it, and that's great. But let's be a little creative here, Joe. I think, I'm, I think, I'm actually going to – I'm going to one-up you, Matt, here, and we're going to do some – this is, this is a course, live production. Of course you are. Of course This you is are. a live production meeting. What we're going to do is a game called Real or Fake, and Ooh. I'm going <laughs> to read you names of items that may be real, may be fake, all going to be absurd – and you're going to decide whether that's a real or fake MLB ball club food item. I like that, Joe. I please like that don't, a lot. Please don't study either. And I know you've probably already done some, some legwork. I now, hear you he, studying he, right now. No, I'm not. You're studying I'm not. in my I'm ear. Not. I'm not. Um, here's the one thing I will uh, – I'll put a little contingency on this. Uh, the, the, the show I work on on, on NBC uh-huh. Sports at the 10 o'clock, sometimes they, you know, if a really weird thing comes out, they'll be like, oh, look at this new thing. So if I do, you know, have a graphic built on it, I, I uh-huh. sometimes will have that spoiled. You do okay. Well, you do have the yeah, burden here, of also what letting I will us do. Know I will let you know. Seen. Exactly. Okay. I will let you know on Monday. Hey, if if I see some stuff, I'll let you know. This is what I've seen. This is what I know of. Don't go near that. We might need the TVMA tag if we get back talking about peanut butter <laughs> bacon cheeseburgers. Oh man, I would I would love to give that a shot. <laughs> All right. Well, things are getting weird here on the Moose and Roots podcast. As we said, tweet us those questions. We can't wait to break them all down. It's going to be a blast next week for the 50th Moose and Roots podcast. Matt, before we Joe, let the people go, are you going to shut us down? I, I, want to, I want to do one more thing before I shut it down here. It's Easter okay. week, like we touched on earlier. And some, of our, some of our best conversations, Joe, have come about you know the, the, the holidays, ah, the holiday spread. Foods. I need to know. I, now, I doubt you're going to be able to make it home for Easter because that, that's a tough weekend, you know, coming from mm-hmm. you know, work in California. But mm-hmm. the, the typical Musso Easter Sunday spread, Joe, paint me a picture with your words. Now, I, I, don't, I, don't, I never aim to disappoint, but Easter doesn't really have its marquee item, its marquee that's meal okay. eggs. Yes, Easter eggs. We, there'll be some colored hard-boiled eggs there just to make it festive. But it's just like... It's just a normal Sunday Musso gathering. It's a holiday. It's nice. So there's a different air about. But in terms of food, it's just kind of like your Italian spread. Um, that still I think, sounds delicious. I think we do like. I think we do. If I'm remembering correctly, a nice big brunch too. So you still got like oh, yeah. some eggs. I think one of my aunts will make a quiche, like just like weird Easter stuff that no one eats. Like I'm gonna eat the mastacchioli or whatever mm-hmm. we have, like the pasta and meatballs or whatever, depending what time we eat. So. Uh, uh, it, it's more of your run-of-the-mill spread. There's no marquee items other than maybe maybe your brunch fare, if you will. Some Mickey Mouse pancakes, perhaps. That still sounds, you know, it, it is my goal to, you know, at one point be invited to a You're Musso, always welcome a Musso, to dine a Musso, an actual you know, holiday. I want to be invited to a Musso, you know, big holiday spread. We could sell tickets. We could sell tickets to the Musso Christmas Eve. That hey, that's help. how like we can start making money for the podcast. There we go. So possible, <laughs> possible seat at the table. Possible seat at the table. Want to sit with 25 to 35 loud Italians and not get a word in? 
Join Kinda. us for the first annual see, Moose and Runes. See, I hate oh, to, I hate having to be the one who talks at those uh, those things. I'm much oh, yeah, more like no, let me be silent, to. let me eat, and you know, so we'll let the other people. Do. If I get asked a question, I'll answer it. But you know, let's let's let the the talking go to the other people. <laughs> Matt, why don't you shut us down? All right. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Uh, Joe, I'm going to shut us down with a uh, a congratulations, a little bit of a tribute to uh, a guy who's been a mentor of both of ours. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you saw it this morning, but uh, the one and only Cap Man, David Kaplan, was in, uh, elected, uh, voted on whatever, uh, named to the WGN <laughs> Walk of Fame, uh, WGN hey, Radio Walk of Fame this morning. Well uh, deserved. I believe he joined uh, WGN in 1995 was there up until uh, the end of Cap and Hall, which was, I believe, what, 2015, 26, something like that. Um, so, you know, there for 20 some odd years. And um, he is the, I think anybody would describe him who knows him, has worked with him as the, the hardest working man in sports in Chicago, I would say. I don't think there's there's somebody who travels more, does more stuff, uh, accepts more commitments than Cap does. Um, and he's been a, a mentor, I think, to both of us. Obviously, I worked with him at WGN Radio, so I saw firsthand kind of the impact he had on that place. Um, I know you had you interned for him pretty much specifically, and how, how much he helped you kind of move along. And uh, he, he's been a guy who has, has helped us both uh, instrumentally along the way. He's always been there for advice. Uh, he, he's a very talented radio host. Whether, whether you like his opinions or you don't, you can't deny that he is, he is captivating. No pun intended. Uh, and kind of gets people listening, gets people tuning in. Uh, he's passionate about what he does, loves what he does, and uh, there's there's not many more deserving in the city of the honor than uh, than, than David Kaplan. So, uh, congratulations, Cap, from uh, from both of us here. I'm sure you know Joe. If you want to say anything, whatever, congratulate the Cap man. You're more than welcome to. But I know that he's had a, a tremendous impact uh, on both of our careers, and uh, I'm still honored to be able to work with him now. And, and I know you loved your time working with him. You uh, you said it well, my friend. Um, just an outstanding person and carries that into everything that he does professionally and personally we got to know him on a whole different level at wesley and at the tailgate having him be a part of that family and then also being able to work for him and professionally uh watch the way that he attacked things really that was the biggest thing that Mm -hmm. i took away from dave kaplan and the thing that he implanted on my career and my work ethic is just how how much fun he had with it how much fun he continues to have with it how much he truly loves it and uh you know how much he means to a city and a place and uh as you said well deserved to be a part of the wgn radio walk of fame uh, yeah well deserved to the cat man hopefully the you know the both of us can bring the the same energy passion and excitement to our to our lines of work for as long as he has because i think if, uh, if we're able to accomplish that uh we'll, we'll end our work careers eventually with uh, with very successful ones Absolutely. Uh, but, but, but that's all i got joe um 49 down 49 down, 49 one to go. down, one to go. Uh, well, then, one, no, one million, and then like then, a bunch more. Yeah, then, and then hopefully like not more. just one to go, but one to <laughs> Man, I was going to spring that on you. The podcast is over at the end of the 50th that, podcast. That would be a great twist ending that not many That's going to do it for the Boots and Boots podcast forever. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> but as we said, people, get us your questions. We want to break it down. Sports, food, fashion, whatever you guys want to talk about. Joe loves uh, fashion. Episode, episode 50 is your guys' episode, so Send us your tweets, shoot us your texts. Moose and Roots Podcast, episode 49 in the books. Can't wait to do 50. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We'll talk to you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow. 
for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.